Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. Rolling right along. Here we go with episode 121 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. It's week four of the, Paul, of the, uh, rather the college football season. And, uh, oh, what a week of matchups we have this week. Uh, according to my buddy, Chris the Bear Felica of uh, Fox Sports, there are six matchups featuring ranked teams the most on a September Saturday since 2006 uh, when there were seven back on September 16 of 2006. And this list, this list of games this week, the six games, oddly enough, doesn't even include uh, one of the weekend's marquee games, that being fourth-ranked Florida State traveling to Clemson to play the unranked Tigers, who had a, a season-opening hiccup, if you recall, on the road at Duke on Labor Day night. A couple of others uh, on this week's card, as far as the big games, probably the biggest in a battle of top 10 teams. Ohio State travels to South Bend to face Notre Dame. And certainly in one of the more, what I, I believe to be anyway, one of the more intriguing matchups of week four, Oregon State and transfer quarterback DJ Uyangale travels to the Palouse to face Washington State. Interestingly enough, Florida State, Ohio State, and Oregon State all favored by right as a, uh, by right at a field goal, rather, uh, as I record shortly before 3 p.m. Central on Wednesday, September 20th. By the way, uh, this week's episode titled, It's Okay to Be Average. You know, and, and while as sports handicappers, we have to hit 52.38% against the spread uh, against standard 110 juice on straight wagers to start grinding out a profit, where it's you know, it's really, in that light, I should say, it's really not okay to be average. You know, you have to be better than average. If you're flipping coins, you know, you hit 50%, and that's kind of how it comes out. But you got to be better, or at least 52.38, before you get to that point of profitability. So you got to be a little bit better than average. But this week's podcast titled, more of a, a reference to averaging the performance of college football teams. To not get too high on a team, Texas, when they beat Alabama on the road. Or too low on a team, Texas, when they struggle to shake loose from Wyoming the very following week as a 30-point favorite. You know, I said earlier this summer, if you listen to my podcast, and I appreciate you listening this week, regardless of how often you have listened in the past, but I said earlier this summer that I believe the stage was ripe for some new blood 
in this year's four-team college football playoff. And I base that position at least partially on the fact that three of the usual suspects, uh, those being two-time defending national champion Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State, would all be debuting mostly untested in unknown quantities at quarterback. First-time starting quarterbacks for the most part. And three weeks into the college season, I believe that even more so. You know, and when I take it a step further and I look at the top 13 teams uh, this week in the coaches poll, I really believe 11 of those 13 can claim at least some possibility of making the playoff. There's only two teams that I really uh, discount their chances, and they still certainly have a chance. Uh, One of those is a one-loss team, one still undefeated. But first of all, I can't see Alabama uh, with its quarterback and other woes reeling off 10 straight victories. You know, certainly, you know, not 10 straight victories in the league that while it might be down, it's still the SEC. So I'm counting the, the tide out more or less. And then Utah. I mean, their roster, I love Cal Whittingham, one of my favorite coaches of all of college football and certainly a moneymaker if you've backed Utah through Whittingham's term there in Salt Lake City. But the Utes roster, I mean, it resembles a mash unit. Uh, Last week against FCS Weber State, uh, Whittingham said, quote, 15 or 16, end quote, players who would have helped them, who would have been contributors, did not play in that game. So, uh, man, that's just a lot of players. They're going to have a tough road to hoe to get to the playoff with such a diluted lineup in the really tough Pac-12. And also, I think with each passing week, one has to wonder about the health of Utah quarterback Cam Rising. You know, I I still believe Rising is going to play this season, and it may actually happen this week against UCLA. But until we see him on the playing field, you know, facing live competition under center, I think it's prudent to expect him to once again be out this week. So until we see him play, we got to kind of almost think that he's not going to play. And I say that thinking there's a chance he could play soon and maybe even again as early as this week. And even if uh, Rising, you know, even if he does return as early as this weekend, the Utes, in my opinion, they're just missing, you know, way too many key pieces to finish in the top four. You know, we'll certainly gain some clarity uh, on this season's playoff picture based on this Saturday's results. You know, the winners, their position is going to be stronger. The teams that lose, of course, their position will be weakened. But we'll certainly gain some clarity this weekend. You know, now that a few points, uh, folks, related to this week's title, it's okay to be average. You know, I'm going to cut through the chase. It doesn't matter how many times, how many examples, how many games, you know, that we consume, doesn't matter how many. We hammer this point over and over, and college football fans and sports fans in general, for that matter, are still going to grossly overreact to college football results, good or bad, especially in the early portion of the season. So you've got Florida State. We'll use them as an example. They play a near-flawless second half uh, in an impressive season-opening victory over LSU in Orlando. And then two weeks later, 
they face an unspectacular Boston College team, a team that lost its opener at home to a MAC team, an average MAC team at that in Northern Illinois. And then the next week at home, also at home, they face FCS Holy Cross. They barely survived that game. They only beat Holy Cross by three points. Now in week three, they take the Seminoles, one of the top two or three teams in the nation, by you know most people's estimation. They take the Seminoles to the brink. You know they had the ball in the final minutes with a chance to win the game, a chance to shock the college football you know world. They're down by two points, so with a field goal they'll win. And I don't think they got to midfield. I think they turned the ball over maybe around their own 40. But they were approaching midfield was Boston College. Florida State survives this past weekend, 31-29. Texas, meanwhile, who we talked about a little bit earlier, they trot into Tuscaloosa in week two. Hence, Alabama, a convincing 34-24 defeat. The Longhorns end the Tide's 43-game non-conference winning streak at home. The Longhorns immediately deemed to be back in the very next week at home as a 30-point favorite against Mountain West member Wyoming, the lethargic Longhorns. Found themselves in a true tussle. They're tied with the Cowboys at 10 apiece, uh, entering the fourth quarter if you watch that game. The Longhorns go on to score 21 points in a a five-and-a-half-minute span there. They win by a very misleading 31-to-10 margin. But, folks, again, my point being, college football teams do not bring the same measure of what I call collective team psyche to the gridiron each week. You know, some games get more focus more attention, more collective team psyche, such as Texas, Alabama. Others get less. And these ups and downs oftentimes come before or after one of their high energy games. You know, sort of like uh, Wyoming at Texas this past weekend, or Florida State's close call this past weekend at Boston College with a huge trip to Clemson on deck. I'm going to go ahead now and do a quick plug for my service, Paul Stone Sports. Eight straight winning seasons in college football against the spread as monitored by the highly respected the sports monitor of Oklahoma City. I've hit 55.5% against the spread over that period, spanning more than 900 selections. And uh, I'll say this, if you're an impulse buyer and easily wild, uh, this performance probably doesn't move your needle. But if you're a critical consumer, if you understand the business and can usually uh, decipher fact, you know, versus fiction, we'll say, uh, then, you know, perhaps I'm your guy. But if interested in any case, please visit paulstonesports.org. Again, that's paulstonesports.org. So, Paul, you know, you might ask, what's all this talk about? It's okay to be average. Well, I look at it this way, ladies and gentlemen. You know, during the course of a long college football season, virtually every team of the 133 participating in the FBS is going to have highs and lows and ebbs and flows. 
That's how it goes. You know, it's somewhat like a handicapper. You know, as a handicapper, even if you're highly successful, you know, the rare person who hits 55% against the spread over a large sample size, you're not going to hit 55% each and every week. Not even 45% one week, then 65% the next week. There will be fluctuations and wild ones at that. You know, you're going to have some six in one weeks, extreme high points, uh, followed by a downer, you know, a three and six week. You know, that's just the way it goes. There's a high degree of variance and randomness in college football results. And you just have to take the good with the bad. You got to stay even, um, stay level, you know, and kind of roll with the flow, as I like to say. You know, college football teams perform at least somewhat uh, in the same manner, if you will, regardless of whether they're the, you know, the highest of the 133 teams or down at the bottom of that list. Each of those teams in their individual 12-game regular season, they come into each of those contests with different collective levels of energy. It's part of our job, you know, our challenge as handicappers to identify those spots, highs and lows, before the fact. You know, certainly not the entire handicapping puzzle, but it's a piece of it for sure, you know, trying to determine, you know, when a team is going to be uh, at a peak level of effort and when they might be susceptible uh, to, you know, a sleepwalking effort or a letdown, so to speak. So when I proclaim it's okay to be average, what I'm referring to is the need to quote, unquote, average each team's individual performance as you get a handful or so of actual game results. You know, I mostly discount games against FCS opponents because those games can be complete mismatches, you know, where the opponent from the lower division is completely outclassed. You know, a 40-point victory over a uh, FCS team can heavily skew, you know, a school's power rating to the positive. You know, when it, uh, in all likelihood, doesn't accurately reflect, you know, that team's performance against a cross-section of the uh, 133 teams comprising the FBS. What I personally do, when I get, say, you know, seven games or more, I throw out the most positive and the most negative result in each team's schedule and then use the remainder, the remaining games, those results, to craft that team's power rating. You know, by doing this, you've eliminated uh, the extremes and each team is being uh, graded and judged, if you will, on their average results, sort of normalizes uh, their overall performance to that point in the season. You know, after all, it's okay to be average. I'm going to give you a comp selection now. We're going to go to the Big 12 for this week's complimentary selection. We're going to do a side. I'm going to ask you a question. First of all, have you ever dated an ugly dog? Maybe you're current. No scratch all that. I didn't I didn't realize we were recording. thought that green light really meant something else. Let me get my notes here. Let me get straight. No, seriously, as college football uh, handicappers, 
every once in a while, you know, I believe we can get a point or two, maybe three uh, points of value by not snubbing our nose at the so-called ugly dog, a.k.a. the unattractive betting underdog. And that's what we're going to be looking this week. We've got the 14th ranked Oklahoma Sooners traveling to Cincinnati. This will be the Bearcats' first game as a member of the Big 12. And while Oklahoma has been just ultra impressive and essentially steamrolling rather uh, three totally overmatched opponents, Cincinnati coming off a 34-31 rather to 24 overtime loss at home to Miami of Ohio of the Mid-American Conference. A really low point for the Bearcats. A difficult pill to swallow. In this game, Oklahoma opened as a, an 11-point road favorite again over Cincinnati, uh, that being at Circa in downtown Las Vegas late Sunday morning. The betting public, they bet the Sooners early and often, uh, pushed the number up to 15 at some stores. It currently uh, seems to be showing 14 and a half at most books throughout the country. So Oklahoma currently favored by 14 and a half. I made the number 10. In this game, folks, I'm siding with the hurting dog, the beaten dog, the ugly dog, the dog catching two touchdowns and the hook in its very first Big 12 game. Emotions, energy will be high this week in the Queen City. Oklahoma's the better team, but sometimes that football can bounce funny ways. Take Cincinnati plus 14 and a half over Oklahoma this Saturday. So back to, you know, it's okay to be average. You know, a team is probably never quite as good as its very best outcome. You know, when the energy level is high and perhaps that oblong spheroid bounce their way. Nor are they as bad as those inevitable days when the collective energy level is low and the ball perhaps bounces off a receiver's shoulder pad at the opponent's goal line, ricochets in such a fortuitous fashion that it falls right into the waiting hands of an opposing defender who just happens to have some forward momentum and just proceeds to return it 100 yards the other way for a touchdown. Raise your hand if you've uh, been the victim of that type of play. And I see many hands out there in the audience. (laughs) Call that the old 10 or 14 point swing. And if you've got the team that's negatively affected, it is not a good feeling. On the other hand, you got the team that gets the benefit. It is a good feeling. So there's perhaps, my point being here, perhaps a measure of good luck even involved or bad luck for the other, depending on which side of that uh, described play that you're on. So as October approaches again, I believe it's just best to adjudicate teams again, just to emphasize the point, not for who they are at their very best, or contrarily, not who they are at their very worst, but what they usually are, their average performance, what we can determine their most probable performance within ranges to be on any given Saturday. All right, that's going to do it for another Paul Stone Sports Podcast. I tell you, the season's moving right right along. Some 
teams, I guess, will be playing their fifth. If they played in week zero, like Notre Dame, I think they'll be playing their fifth game of the season this week. The Fighting Irish will be. A lot of great football this week. College football on any Saturday that we have college football. To me, it's a great week. Uh, Have a great uh, rest of your week. Have a great Saturday. Uh, If you bet the games, do so responsibly. Uh, Don't uh, bet what you want to win, but rather what you can afford to lose. Take care. Have a great rest of your week. Until next time, signing off. Once again, I'm Paul Stone. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions.